for the sermon we're going to read together out of Matthew chapter 6. This is verses 5 through 8, and it's what Jesus prefaces the Lord's Prayer with. Here's what it says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is the word of the Lord. The challenge last week that we started with, that we laid down for this series, is pray first. That's it. So, how did you do over the last seven days? Did you pick something, whether it was uh, uh, before toast or before the mailbox or before you posted on Facebook? Um, did you pray first? Picked Pick one thing, and before you do that every day, pray first. That was the challenge. How'd you do? Uh, maybe some of you uh, did really well. Some of you, maybe like me, you got stuck on picking that one day, one thing every day. What is it that I do every day? I'm not really sure. And uh, maybe, maybe you did get around for praying for the first couple of days, but then you, it skipped your mind, and then you, you, you came back to it, but then you forgot about it until you got here. Um, little word of hope here today. If you set a goal and you even do one thing towards that goal, it's, it's better than if you hadn't set the goal at all. So, you've at least done something. So, well done, okay? And now, we just want to do a little more. So, that's the game plan every week in our series is pray first, to create this lifestyle built on prayer. And that's, that's a prescription that addresses every part of our life. Um, in every situation, pray first. Before you get out of bed, pray, for, pray first. Before your meal, pray first. Before the appointment, pray first. Before the call, pray first. Before school, before the email, before the tweet, before the post, before you turn off the light at the end of the day, pray first. And where we're getting uh, this is from First Thessalonians chapter 5, where Paul says, rejoice always. And then he says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. What does that mean? Does it mean I have to be huddled on my knees 24-7? No, I don't think that's the Spirit. I think the Spirit is Paul is directing us to invite God into every situation of our life by prayer. Uh, and so, maybe you have a kitchen cabinet project, you're painting them, and so we just ask God. We pray first. We're just going to ask God, would you paint, paint the cabinets with me? Let's, let's hold a conversation while I paint and invite God into every situation of my life by prayer. And here's also what Paul says, and this is a key part of the verse. He says, if you do this, if you live this way, this is God's will. A lot of us wonder what God's will is. This is one answer. God's will is that we pray without ceasing, that we pray first, that we invite Him into everything that we do. And so, we're going to use this line every week, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And so, last week we talked about the way to, to make uh, a lifestyle of prayer is, is to have the right view of God. It's easier to pray when we understand that we are praying to a son who is gracious, a father who is loving, a Holy Spirit who is a friend and will always 
be there. It's easier to relate to the persons of prayer when we understand them in the right way. Um, If you have the wrong view of God, your prayers are going to be hindered. Uh, How many of you uh, maybe along the way had to go to the principal's office in grade school? I don't see a lot of hands admitting that, but, you know, there are some. Some of us had to make that trip. Uh, If you see God like your grade school principal, then certainly you're not going to want to talk to Him, right? Nobody wants to go to the principal's office. There's a big paddle in there, at least there was when I was a kid. And if you see God that way, that is going to affect your prayers. If you see Him rightly as the loving, gracious friend that He is, that will change the game for your prayer. And so, what if, as you were walking down to the principal's office and sitting there, what if in that experience, what if your grade school principal had said, you know what, I'm going to take your punishment for you today? Would that have changed your relationship with him, with her? Absolutely it would have. That's what God has done for us. And so, now we have no reason not to talk to him, want to, to want to know him more. And so, the big idea today is that the right view of God, we're going to spring out of what we did last week, the right view of God will generate the right words to God. And the right words to God are kind of a universal struggle. Uh, I can't count the number of people, myself included, who when it comes to prayer have said this line, I just don't know what to say, right? And that's a hurdle for a lot of us today when we come to this topic. I just don't know what to say. And if we're going to pray first, then we need help with what to say. During His life uh, on the earth, Jesus had 12 disciples, and they followed Him everywhere. They spent their lives with Him. They saw Him day after day go off alone and pray by Himself. That was the routine of Jesus. We get that in lots of places in Scripture. And the disciples watched this happen every day. Uh, And they themselves were faithful Jewish men who prayed every day. They knew how to pray. They had been doing it from the time they were kids. They grew up memorizing certain prayers that they would pray. But when they watched Jesus go off and pray, they, they noticed something different. There was something different about how he interacted with God, and they, they, they sensed that he approached God in a personal, intimate way. And so, they thought to themselves, Jesus has this figured out. Uh, his, there's something in this relationship that he has with God that we are missing. And so, they, they thought, Let, let's go ask and see if we can get in on this. And so, in, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples go to him, and they say, how do we pray like you pray? Would you teach us to pray? And, and what they're after is the practical. How, how do we communicate with God like you do? How do we get this relationship that you have? How do we say the right things? What words do we use? And that's our question today, too. Teach us to pray like you do. And here's what Jesus said. He says, okay, this is how you should pray. And the words that come right after that are the words that we um, have come to label the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer, it's important to, uh, to understand what Jesus is giving us in these words. What Jesus is not giving us is just another prayer to recite and to memorize. 
the, the crazy ironic thing about the Lord's Prayer is that it has become the prayer that is exactly that. It is just recited. If there's a prayer that we know so well that we've forgotten what we're saying when we pray it, it's the Lord's Prayer. Teams of athletes that haven't been to church since their cousin got married three years ago can get down in a circle on a knee and rattle this prayer off in a heartbeat. And we can do the same today. I want, you, I want to invite you to do that and pray it with me, okay? Uh, let's, use, let's use trespasses just because it's cool. I like it, okay? Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Jesus never intended for you to just recite the prayer. And it's not a bad thing for you to recite the prayer. I'm not saying that. But if that's all we ever do with it, then it becomes like that poem that we had to memorize in freshman English for a grade. We know the words, but the words will never change us. It will just be a recitation. Jesus isn't giving his disciples a recitation. He's giving them a recipe for a conversation. He's giving us, he's giving them the power to have a conversation with God. And so, the way to see these words best, the Lord's Prayer, is to see them as an outline for prayer. That's what Jesus is really giving here. And when we see it this way, then each phrase of the prayer becomes an important topic that we need to include in our own prayers. And what Jesus is giving us here is the words of prayer. When you don't know what to pray, here they are. And so, if we dig into, uh, we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 6. That's one version of the Lord's Prayer. And if we go phrase by phrase, we're going to find topics that should be regular parts of our prayer. And so, how does the prayer start? Our Father who art in heaven. Um, and we all know the King James Version for some reason, right? We all throw the these and the thous and the thys in there, uh, even though that's not the way we talk. That's how much we know this prayer. But he says, our Father in heaven. And what Jesus is teaching us in that very first phrase is to first, before you do anything else in prayer, is to connect with God relationally. Probably the most powerful lesson that Jesus gives in the whole prayer is in these first words. He calls God Father. And before Jesus, no one had ever done that consistently. Even today, there are religions who will... Uh, tell you how inappropriate, how sacrilegious, how uh, sinful even it is to call God Father. You have the audacity to call God Father? You can't do that. And yet, Jesus, almost without fail, opens His prayers calling God Father. Or uh, He uses the Aramaic equivalent, which is Abba. And Abba is just a term that means daddy. It's a very intimate term. And, and He teaches us to pray like this. He says, you pray like this too. He's giving you the right view of God. See God as a doting daddy, a father who loves his kids. Because if you are in Jesus, you are one of those kids that He loves. And so, 
God's favorite thing for you to call Him is Father, Abba, Daddy. Uh, Paul writes that when we are adopted into God's family, we no longer relate to Him as though we were a slave working for the master. No, no, no. Now we are a son. We are a daughter, and we get to relate to Him as a family member. And so, when you pray, first, connect with God in your prayer, not as a slave, but as a child. Um, And so, uh, each section here, I have kind of written out a prayer that is an example. And when we get to these, I just want you to pray them with me. So, would you read this prayer with me? This is how we can connect relationally with God in our prayer. Father, I come to you in prayer today, thankful that I am your child. I know I am a sinner, but you have forgiven me and adopted me as your own, and I am so grateful to call you my Father. Thank you for loving me. I love you. Hallowed be your name. What is Jesus teaching us here? He's saying, worship God's name. Worship His name. Do you know the favorite word in the entire language according to you, uh, I, I know what your favorite word in the entire language is. And when I say it, you will agree. Your favorite word in the entire English language is your name. We love it when people use our name. We love it when people remember our name. Names have power And it's no different with God. God loves it when we remember His name, and there's also power behind this name. Maybe a sibling can go into a room and say to the other siblings, hey, we need to clean this place up, and they just ignore the sibling. But when that same sibling walks in and says, hey, Dad says, there's power behind a name, right? Everybody jumps, and God's name is that way. It's not just one name. God has many different names, and they all have power. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous man runs to it and is safe. So, here are just some of the names of God that that we might consider during this part of the prayer. God God is righteousness. He makes us clean. God is sanctifier. He calls us. He sets us apart. God is healer. He heals all of our diseases. Uh, God is banner, uh, the banner of victory. He, he has defeated our enemies. God is a shepherd. He speaks to us. He leads us. God is peace. He's our peace in every storm. He is provider. He supplies all of our needs. God is there. I love that name for God. God is there. It comes from Psalm chapter 139. Just read that through and you'll find God is there. God is the I am. God is rock. God is the Holy One. God is the Almighty. God is the Most High. There are dozens of these kind of names that are found in Scripture. And in prayer, we just need to speak God's names out loud. And when we proclaim who He is, we not only worship Him, but we remind ourselves of how powerful and great our God is. And so, this part of the prayer might go like this. Read it with me. God, I am in awe of You. Your name is a strong tower a place of protection and safety for me. I praise you as healer and shepherd. You are my peace and my provider, my righteousness and my sanctifier. Your name is great, and I worship you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. The key word here in these phrases is your, not, not mine, but your. And so, the lesson is to pray God's agenda first. You do this in every uh, relationship that matters to you already. In every relationship that matters to you, that you want to keep going, you put the concerns of the person that you love first. If you cease to do that for long enough, then that relationship folds, it ends, it's destroyed. Jesus says a couple times in Scripture, Luke 12, Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom. Make His kingdom your primary concern. And what we're doing here is we're prolonging this relationship that we have with God. The power of prayer is not primarily in asking God for what you want, but in aligning your life with His agenda. We could say it this way, prayer is not about moving God, it's about moving you. And that puts us in a perfect place because now we get to pray because we're praying His agenda. We get to pray things that God will always say yes to because they're His concerns. They're what He wants. God has a prayer list too. God won't ever say yes to something that forces Him to contradict what He's already said in Scripture. But it also works the other way, that He will always say yes to something that He wants to happen in Scripture. And so, if you're praying things like this, if you're praying for wisdom, that's a yes. If you're praying for more of the Holy Spirit, that's yes. If you're praying for a way to escape from temptation, God is always going to say yes to that. If you're praying for an opportunity to promote Jesus to people, He's always going to say yes. And so, pray His agenda. Here's a prayer that uh, we could shape out of that idea. Read it with me. God, I recognize there is no better plan on earth than Yours, and I pray for Your will to be done in my life. This world is lost and needs you desperately, and I pray for every person to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's His agenda, right? May your kingdom expand today. That's His agenda. Have your way in my life. That's His agenda. Anything you want to do in me or through me, I will do. Let me choose your plan over my own. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, notice up until this point in the prayer, none of it has been about us. And here is the very first time that we turn our eyes on ourselves, but we really don't because the teaching is that we depend on God for everything. That's, that's the spirit behind this line. God promises to supply all of our needs he, he wants us to come to Him with our problems, with our needs, our desires, and then He wants us to trust Him to provide those things and to answer those, those uh, requests in ways that we would answer those requests if we knew everything that God knows. We need to trust that He knows more than we do. And so, probably our greatest mistake in asking is asking for too little. We might, we might be afraid of being selfish. Well, I'm just being selfish if I just ask. But, but if we have His agenda first, if we are about His concerns, 
then it's very unlikely that these requests are going to be selfish. And so let's pray with imagination and boldness. We're going to ask God, what do I need today to do my job? God, give me that. What mission have you given me today? Give me the resources to be able to do that. Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And the psalmist answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. One of the important parts of that verse is that the hill that he's talking about, the mountain that he's talking about, is actually figurative language for the seat of government. And so, what he's really saying is, does my help come from Capitol Hill? No, my help comes from the Lord who made Capitol Hill. And by the way, He made heaven and earth too. And so, I depend on God for everything, not anybody in the earth, not anybody around me. I depend on God for everything. Uh, Speaking of depending on God, I I just have to bunny trail just for a second because there are a couple of needs that I think fit into this line that we need help with. Number one is there's a prayer situation in our church that uh, we would love to develop a small group to, um, to gather around this particular concern and just pray for it. I will not be the one to put hands and, and feet to that particular prayer request, so I'm not really sure how it's going to look, but we just need people who will commit and say, yes, I'm going to pray for that need until it's not a need anymore. And I, I don't know how long that'll be. And so, if, if you're interested in doing that and being on this prayer group that's just focused on that one concern, would you just catch one of our staff people after the service and just say, I'll be on that team? The other prayer request is this. Um, uh, Most of you know Dale Johnson, and Dale kind of took a turn, and um, there has been a movement even in the last 24 hours to pray for Dale. And so, there are people that are actually going to go to uh, Dale and Betty's house today at 1.30, and they're just going to stand in the yard, and they're just going to pray. Um, I am scheduled to leave out of town right after this, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to set an alarm, and at 1.30, I'm going to pray as well. And so, whether you decide to go to Dale and Betty's, and we can give you directions if you want to do, go and do that and be on site, or whether you just set an alarm, would you just pray at 1.30 and just pray for Dale and pray for Betty and for what they're going through? and uh, their, their need right now. So, we depend on God for everything. So, here's, here's how that prayer might shape up. Read it with me. Father, I acknowledge that in everything I need… Uh, I acknowledge that everything I need today will come from You. You made the heavens and the earth. You are more than capable of handling any situation I'm dealing with. So, I give it to You completely. I look to you to help me, sustain me, and give me your peace. Thank you in advance for taking care of my needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And what we need to do at this time in the prayer is to get our heart right with God and with people. We get our heart right with God by reminding ourselves of what God has done for us through the work of Jesus on the cross. Every day, we, once we understand forgiveness, once we've gotten forgiveness because of the work of Jesus, then every day our job is to remind our hearts that we have been forgiven, to preach the gospel to ourselves in Jesus. 
there's mercy for me, even though I'm a sinner. And then secondly, after we get our heart right with God, we have to get our heart right with other people, people who have hurt us, people who have offended us, people who have stabbed us in the back, people who have left us. We just say, God, would you help me let you take care of this? Help me to forgive. And here's the key to forgiveness. Help me to forgive in light of the fact that you've forgiven me. When we realize how much we've been forgiven of, it's really hard not to forgive the people around us for offenses that are so much less than what God has forgiven us of. And so, part of forgiveness is we can even forgive in advance. Today, God, people are going to hurt me. Today, God, people are going to say crazy things to me as I walk through the hallway to get to class. Uh, Today, God, I'll be in traffic, and so I'm going to get offended. Today, God, I'm going to be on Facebook, or I'm going to be on Reddit, I'm going to be on Twitter, and God, odds are somebody is going to offend me. When I get to that spot, Lord, I need your help to forgive them in Jesus' name. One phrase that can change our lives is 1 John 1.9, but we confess our sins, and when we do, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In your mind's eye, I just want you to circle the word just. How is God just? How is it just to forgive us our sins? That's just uh, something that you can meditate on this week. You will be able to find the answer, I, I, I promise. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're good and you're, you'll, you'll be able to do that. Uh, but just meditate on how can God be just when He forgives sins? Um, that's a great, great thing. So, every day we uh, confess our sins. We get our heart right with God. We get our heart right with other people. And it might look like this. Read it with me. God, thank You so much for offering me the gift of forgiveness. Show me areas of my life that I still need to bring before You in order to receive forgiveness. I confess that I have been struggling with sin. Maybe you mentioned specifics that you've been struggling with, through the blood of Jesus, forgive me for my sin. And as you have so freely forgiven me, I also want to freely forgive others. I release to you those who have hurt me, and I trust you to handle those situations according to your perfect will. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, It's Partly, we need to correct the translation because one of the things that we learn in the rest of Scripture is that God never will lead us into temptation. And so, that, that line kind of leads us in the wrong direction right away. The actual translation gives us something like this, do not allow us to be led into temptation. And so, it's literally this, God, today as I live my life, I'm going to have a chance to sin at some point. Maybe it's when I get to Facebook and I get all those offenses, you know, people are offended. Uh, So, when I get there, God, would you help me, help me to take a stand against my enemy, help me to fight the devil. One man said this, if you're not fighting the devil every day, then he's working harder than you are. And so, the bullet point in, the, in this point of the prayer is this, just engage every day in spiritual warfare. Understand that there's a battlefield that you're on and that there's fighting going on all around you even if you can't see it. 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces and the evil, evil heavenly, of evil in the heavenly places. It's all kind of um, movie-ish and CGI and special effects. I mean, is there really this spiritual warfare going on around us? That can seem like a real conspiracy theory, right? But Christian Scripture at least teaches this, that it is real and we do have an enemy that wants to pull us away from God. And so, every day we need to acknowledge that and we need to take a stand against that. And taking a stand is pretty simple. It just means this, that I recognize the lies that the enemy is telling me and I replace those lies with the truth that God wants me to have. And so, I ask God to shine a light on the lies that I'm believing in my life that are not true. And God, would you replace those lies with your truth? I have an enemy. God, help me fight him. And so, the prayer might look like this. Read with me. God, I recognize that my struggles today aren't against the people or circumstances around me, but against the enemy. Please help me see how the enemy is lying to me. Help me recognize his lies, take them captive, and make all of my thoughts obedient to the truth of your word. While the enemy wants to destroy me, I know that you came to give life to the fullest. I speak the name of Jesus over my life and trust the promise that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I don't have to fear the enemy because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, if you look in your Bible today, a lot of you will say, hey, that's not in there. It's because it was kind of added later, but it's an appropriate way to end the sermon nonetheless, because it has us end where we started, and that's with God. Just like your kingdom come, now the lesson is the kingdom is yours along with all the power, along with all the glory forever. And the line teaches us to express faith in God's ability. God is more than able to move in whatever situation that you are facing right now. Whatever your day holds, He's got this. A couple verses to help, Jeremiah 32, the last line, the prophet says, nothing is too hard for you. In Revelation chapter 5, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And it's in this last line of the prayer that we declare who has the real authority, who has the real power, and who will really win in the end. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So, the prayer might look something like this. Say it with me. Father God, Nothing is too hard for you. Through your great power, all things are possible. All authority is yours. All might is yours. And I know that your victory will be complete. You are amazing and I worship you. I praise you for your power and for your presence in my life. You are my God and you are worthy of all praise. Now, there's a bonus because there's one word 
that we use to end this famous prayer. How do we officially sign off? We all say, amen. Or what about the recently revised version? Uh, The opening prayer of the 2021 Congress concluded with amen and a woman. The memes have been great, I will say that. If we're going to end our prayers with amen and a woman, then when we go to a restaurant, we'll have a menu and a woman you. That's beautiful, right? Honestly, I don't feel like I would really need to cover this, but I feel like I should when congressmen with masters of divinities degrees seem to be confused on what it means. Uh, Amen has nothing to do with men or women. Amen is a Hebrew word. Uh, I hope we don't have to start saying Shebrew. It it remains unchanged in whatever language it's found in, Greek, Arabic, Latin, English, it's always amen. And the word amen simply means this, may it be. It's an emphatic declaration that everything that we have said before we have said amen is reliable and firm and true. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it's through Him that we utter our amen, our may it be to God for His glory. Uh, In this outline for prayer, here's what Jesus has given us. He's given us a way to connect with God, a way to worship God, a way to put God's agenda first, a way to depend on Him for everything, a way to forgive, a way to be forgiven, a way to stand against our enemy, a way to trust in God's ability, and the only appropriate term that affirms all of those promises as true and trustworthy and firm is amen, yes, and amen, may it be. Now, maybe uh, during this little exercise that I've led you through, maybe you prayed more and deeper during this sermon than you really ever have before. And if that's the case today, then it's because in part, you finally had the right words to pray with. And so, what if that kind of prayer can be the norm for you and not just the exception. That's the goal. That's, to, that's building a lifestyle of prayer. That's what we're after. And using the Lord's Prayer as an outline for all of your prayer can make it that way. Uh, what I just covered today, uh, this little guide through the Lord's Prayer, is just one part of a prayer guide that we would love to send to you if you will commit to join with us in 21 days of prayer. That's what this whole series is ramping up to. We'll start it on February the 8th, and it's an event where we will all concentrate our prayers on the same ideas for 21 days straight. And so we would love you to join in and pray with us. Uh, Use the church app to sign up. And then when you do, we will send you a packet. Uh, It'll have some prayer tools. It'll have a guide that includes what a lot of what I just went through today. Um, And there will be some extra goodies in there as well that we're really excited about. And you will be equipped to pray, okay? Father, today, I pray for prayer. That everyone in this room, whether they're three, whether they're 93, would grow in prayer. That we would learn to pray so that we can grow closer to you. We cannot do what you've asked us to do without prayer. And so, 
let those of us who struggle with prayer, who struggle with what do I say, help us to see how simple it can be today with this great prayer that you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray first. And everybody said, may it be.